Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of Love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, we're reading now these several weeks from the 13th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. Can I recommend to you, for your summer spiritual reading, sit down with this chapter 13. It's the chapter of parables. It's just filled with these great stories that Jesus told. Probably it was the typical form of his preaching as he wandered from town to town in Galilee and Judea. He probably taught this way. And so all the Gospels have examples of these parables. Matthew 13 is one of the treasure troves for parables. Well, this week we have a whole group of them. And we also find Jesus doing something relatively rare, and that is interpreting the parables for us. What I want to do in the short time I have is look simply at one of them. The very powerful and very mysterious parable of the wheat and the tares. That's the traditional name. We'd say today, the wheat and the weeds. Here's how it starts. The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a man who sowed good seed in his field. While everyone was asleep, his enemy came and sowed weeds all through the wheat and then went off. When the crop grew and bore fruit, the weeds appeared as well. Okay. We have the Lord himself now giving us a hermeneutical key, the Lord interpreting it for us. He says this, The sower is the Son of Man. The sower is Christ himself. He's sowing the seed. Last week we heard of sowing the seed of the Word. Well, here he's doing the same thing, sowing the seed of the kingdom of God. What's the field? It's the world. That's where Christ is operating, sowing the seed of God's kingdom and God's Word. The good seed, he says, are the children of the kingdom. Those members of the church, those who have responded to Christ's word and are now about the work of the kingdom. That's the wheat. That's the good crop. But, while everyone was asleep, his enemy came and sowed weeds all through the wheat and went off. And now, as the crop grows up, we find both wheat and weeds. First lesson now, first reflection. This sort of coming together of good and evil, in the world generally, yes, but now more specifically in the church, is to be expected. Something very rich here, that in his own lifetime, Jesus is, as it were, in this parable, telling us the story of the church. The church is going to evolve over time. It's now going on for 20 centuries. Who knows how much longer it will go on until the end of time. But one thing which will mark it, the Lord says, is just this juxtaposition of good and evil, this intertwining of saints and sinners. Therefore, we should expect this. We should not be surprised and overwhelmed by it. Up and down the church centuries, you'll find various purity movements who say only the good 
and the pure and the absolute should be the church. Present today as well. People were scandalized by evil in the church. I think the Lord is saying, don't be scandalized so much. Don't be shocked and surprised by it. Rather, expect it. I know some of my students here at the seminary can be scandalized when they read church history. And it is a kind of bracing business. When you read the history of the popes and and some uh, priests and some figures in the history of the church who are anything but morally upright, people who are sunk in quite a bit of depravity and corruption. Well, Jesus is telling us this in the parable from the beginning. We should expect it. Who's behind it? Well, the Lord couldn't be clearer. In terms of this parable, an enemy has done this. An enemy. Who's the enemy of the church? Who sows among the good seed, among the good wheat, who sows these weeds? Well, we could do a whole sermon on this problem of evil, a whole sermon on the problem of the devil, the personality of the devil. I will stay with this language. Jesus identifies a person, not just a force, not just a symbol, but identifies a spiritual person whose preoccupation it is to sow corruption, to sow destruction in and among members of the church. This shouldn't surprise us either, that we are opposed by dark powers, Dark powers whose purpose is to undermine us precisely when we follow the Lord. Do you ever find this, Christians? That when your spiritual life is getting more serious, when you find yourself more drawn to the Lord, when you want to get more focused, it's precisely then that you experience greater temptation, greater obstacle, greater struggle. Don't be surprised. That's the enemy's job. Undermining insinuating, attacking. Now, the parable continues. His slaves said to him, the master's slaves, do you want us to go and pull them up? He replied, no, no. If you pull up the weeds, you might uproot the wheat along with them. There is so much here to unpack. There's so much here to reflect on. Because of the enemy's moves, weeds have wrapped themselves around the wheat. It's an especially good image, isn't it? Good and evil rarely present themselves in such stark terms. There's good over there, evil over there. Without in any way compromising the good, I can go after the evil. Anyone who's lived a little bit, anyone who's graduated beyond the level of, let's say, 10th grade movies, realizes that good and evil exist in just this mutually implicative way. They exist in such a way that one is entwined around the other, which makes the extrication of evil especially difficult. Look, I know, when you sense evil, you know it's there, something is attacking the integrity of the church, you want to go in there with both hands and rip it out. I understand that. We all feel that way. But 
But this parable is teaching us to be very careful. Look, generally speaking, evil is always a privation of the good. That means that evil is always parasitic upon the good. Therefore, when attacking evil, I am always in some ways in danger of attacking the good. Think of this parable. The weeds are wrapped right around the wheat. The way that a malignant tumor might wrap itself around a vital organ. So that if the surgeon went right after the tumor, he would compromise the organ. No, the surgeon's work has to be delicate, subtle, careful. So, Christians, when you see evil in your parish, you see evil in the national church, you see evil in the church internationally, be careful, be prudent. The extrication of that evil is always going to be a delicate business, lest you compromise the good in itself. Here's how the parable ends. The master says, Let them grow together until harvest. Then at harvest time I will say to the harvesters, First collect the weeds and tie them in bundles for burning, but gather the wheat into my barn. Again, what a rich image. The master of the whole field says, Let them grow together. I'll just glance out our first reading from the Book of Wisdom. It tells us that God has a providential lordship over the whole world. Is evil a force or a power that's co-equal to God? No, in our tradition. This is not a Star Wars fantasy. This is not a Manichaean fantasy where good and evil are on equal ground. No, no. God alone is the providential lord of the world. Does God in his mysterious providence, allow evil to happen? Yes. Does God allow this dark power to sow these seeds of corruption into the field of the church? Yes. God allows it. Now why? Now why? Well, we'll never fully answer that. And this image is properly ambiguous. Let them grow together. And at the end of time, that's the implication here, at the end of time, God, in his eschatological power, will separate out the wheat and the weeds, preserving one, destroying the other. Why would God ask this of us? Does it mean we should be indifferent to evil, just forget about it? No, no. I think... As much as we can, to the measure that we are capable, we should oppose evil. We should, we should go after it. Yes, prudently, but, but clearly. But is there something to be said now for this growing together of the wheat and the weeds? Christians, is it possible that some goods in this world would never be realized without the presence of certain evils? Thomas Aquinas said, you would never find the patience of the martyr without the cruelty of the tyrant. <laughs> That's true, isn't it? We'd never see this beautiful good of the martyr's patience and witness were it not for this cruelty of the tyrant. We would never see the witness of Maximilian Kolbe, you know, that heroic saint who 
died at Auschwitz, gave himself so that another prisoner might be released. We would never have seen that were it not for the terrible cruelty of Hitler. Does this justify it? No, but it might give us a certain angle of vision. Does God allow the wheat and the weeds to grow together because to some degree the wheat becomes more fully itself precisely in opposition to the weeds? Certain goods are realized only in this tight relationship with evil. Let me close with this. I can't help but see, when I read this parable and think about it, I can't help but see light falling on this terrible scandal we've been going through in the church the last several years, the sex abuse scandal. Here's God's church, good, beautiful. Have things been sown in it by a dark power? Absolutely. The corruption of certain priests, the corruption of certain bishops, this terrible evil, this terrible struggle. Should we be shocked and surprised by it? Not really. We should expect it, that the church will be under assault. And is it true as well that this evil has wound itself around the wheat, has wound itself around the good of the church in so many ways, compromising it at so many levels? Yes, absolutely. How insinuating, how subtle this is. And finally, might there be some good that comes precisely from the church's struggle against this evil? Allow them to grow together, says the Lord, not as though we're indifferent to evil. No, no, we should oppose it when we can. But is there something cleansing and purifying precisely now in the church's struggle against this terrible evil? Reread this parable in chapter 13. Spend time with it. See what light it sheds on this terrible problem. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that, together, we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.